Advent hymns different from other seasons in the church year and in our hymnal? What is the message of the Advent hymns and uh, the 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 things that we observe and, and celebrate even during this season of Advent. I'm Andy Bates. You're listening to Faith and Family. I have my copy of Lutheran Service Book in front of me, ready to talk about the season of Advent and the Advent hymnody, the beauty that we find in these hymns with our friend, uh, the cantor, uh, Matt Mockamer from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family. Find out more about them at kfuo.org. Cantor Matt Mockamer is Associate Cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, ready to, to discuss all things Advent hymnody. Oh, good morning, Cantor Mockamer. It's good to have you with us this morning. Oh, it's, it's great to be with you. A blessed Advent to Thank you, you and your listeners. A blessed Advent to you as well and all the saints there at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Being cantor, that means uh, that I bet you get to uh, celebrate and give thanks with with great music there at uh, Kramer Chapel at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Oh, yeah, we're very... You know, we're very blessed. I, I think I have one of the best jobs around. Uh, I, I get to make music in this beautiful space um, and, and help teach future pastors what it means to live in the church's song day in and day out. We can't get better than that. The church's song. That's what we're talking about today, particularly during the season of Advent, this this season that uh, it's the, the first season of the church here. And uh, it's a season of waiting, a season of hope, a penitential season as well. When we, uh, one sign of that is uh, the, the the liturgical colors for Advent, whether we're using violet or blue uh, for the season, a penitential season, a season of waiting, a season of hope. Tell me about the hymnody of this season. How are Advent hymns different from the rest of the church year? Um, that's that's a really wonderful question, and I think the fact that Advent hymns are, in in many ways, different from the rest of the church here is what gives um, this season, especially when you come to church on Sunday, such a unique flavor. Um, you did a great job, Andy, summing up kind of the main themes that run throughout this season when you said um, hope, waiting, um, and and a penitential season, a season about repentance. Uh, these hymns are very intensely focused um, on on the coming of Christ um, throughout the hymnal um, in that in this Advent section, and really, um, with Advent being the first season of the church here, you get this very interesting transition. And perhaps um, some of your listeners have noticed this um, as you come to the end of the previous church year, you begin singing all these hymns about the second coming of Jesus. And I, I just love it every year. It, it's such a, a wonderful transition into Advent because we continue to talk about the coming of Christ. Um, <clears throat> and there's some major themes that run through these hymns. Um, one of them is treating the Old Testament eschatologically. Um, it's a fancy word for um, reading the Old Testament in view of the end times of the world, um, when the heavens and earth will pass away. So um, one of the themes that I find very striking in these hymns is that they will take texts from the Old Testament, but they'll read them from a Christian 
perspective, you know, not necessarily an Old Testament Jewish perspective. But we see these texts now, we see them fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ, yes, but we also see them um, as, as reminders for us to um, repent, keep our eyes and our faith firmly grounded in Christ as we await his second coming. I think an excellent example of that um, is a hymn that, in my church at least, we sang this, this past Sunday, Comfort, Comfort Ye My People. Mm. Um, you, you take a look at some of the imagery in that text, which is really a paraphrase of Isaiah chapter 40, which we heard, if you're um, following the three-year lectionary, we heard that this past Sunday. But um, he's really just taking the text from Isaiah and paraphrasing it. But let me read stanza one to you. Comfort, comfort ye my people, speak ye peace, thus saith our God. Comfort those who sit in darkness, mourning neath their sorrow's load. Speak ye to Jerusalem of the peace that waits for them. Tell her that her sins I cover and her warfare now is over. Um, Originally penned, of course, by the prophet Isaiah, but no less applicable for us New Testament Christians today um, than it was for the saints of the Old Testament. So, Um, I I think one of the major themes of these hymns um, is that you have this fresh look at the Old Testament with a New Testament perspective, which is really just glorious. It's really fun. Um, And a great hymn, a great hymn. When I read that text, I would like to say that my mind always goes to the hymn, but it actually goes to more to handle (laughs) when I read that text. For many folks, I think that is very true, um, which is a testament to great, great music writing, isn't it? Mm. Um, I, I think, too, uh, another emphasis that you see kind of running throughout many of these hymns, and it really happens in the first and second week of Advent, a little bit in the third week, too, is you get this major emphasis on John. Um, Not the Apostle John, but John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, Mm -hmm. who prepares the way for Christ, shows up at the Jordan River, um, and starts doing what? Preaching repentance and baptizing um, that folks would be ready for the coming Savior. And you see that theme also running throughout the season and throughout the hymns. You had mentioned at the top of the show, penitence being one of the major kind of Advent themes. And I think it gets its um, most striking voice in the voice of John. Um, and it's, it's very interesting to me. You think about what, what often we think of today that would get folks to come to church. Um, and usually what we don't think about, you know, is dressing up in like camel's hair, <laughs> eating bugs, and telling people to repent, Right. Um, However, this is what John appears doing, and the folks um, are just, they're they're coming out to the wilderness in droves to hear this message. Um, And you see this, again, in our hymnody. Um, Perhaps a good example of this would be on Jordan's Bank, the Baptist cry, Mm -hmm. which we're talking about John specifically there. But again, that message of repentance is no less applicable to us today um, than it was to those folks in the first century. So, um, 
So yeah. your your yeah. piety is is really expressed more through the hymnody than wearing camel's hair and eating bugs. Uh, well, for me, yes, yes, <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> it's much more uh, physically comfortable too, which I appreciate. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think perhaps what what is most striking about the hymns of this season is our discussion of the comings of Christ. A lot of times we think of Advent in lieu of Christ's first coming, his incarnation, being made man, being born of the Virgin Mary for us in Bethlehem. And this is certainly a major, a major aspect of the Advent season, but there is so much more to it to unpack. Um, we, we live kind of in this in-between time between Christ's first coming and his final coming, but we also have Christ coming to us now. So, obviously, his first coming, his incarnation has been fulfilled, um, and he is now, even now, both man and God, um, promising to be with his church, and he comes to us today in his word and his sacraments, whenever we gather around these, these gifts that he's given to his church. And, you know, I, I don't think we really need a whole lot of examples of Advent hymns that talk about the first coming of Christ, but there are some wonderful images about this, this present coming of Christ in word and sacrament. Um, let me share a stanza with you. Um, this is, Oh Lord, how shall I meet you? It's hymn 334 in the Lutheran service book. Um, but here's stanza five of that hymn. Sin's debt, that fearful burden, cannot his love erase. Your guilt the Lord will pardon and cover you by his grace. He comes for you procuring the peace of sin forgiven, his children thus securing eternal life in heaven. And so even now, as we live in this season of Advent, the Lord continues to come to us. And he comes in a way very similar to how he came in Bethlehem. He comes in meekness. He comes in humility. He comes speaking tender words to us, offering himself to us in his word, um, giving himself to us in the bread and the wine, the body and blood that we see on the altar. Um, and why does, he does why does he do this? Again, the hymn sums it up nicely. The peace of sin forgiven. He comes to forgive us of what we have done uh, against his law. Um, there will be a time, of course, when he will come again, and that will be a much more striking, visible coming, perhaps, than the Church celebrates now in the Word and Sacraments. But he will come again with the same, the same intent for his saints, to take them to be with him. Um, and so that final coming is also a big theme that we, we have in the season of Advent. Um, <clears throat> this coming week, the third Sunday in Advent, we start to hear, even in the readings, the shift from that first coming and the current comings of Christ towards that final coming. Um, maybe, maybe some of your churches out there will be singing Hark of Thrilling Voices mm -hmm. sounding this weekend. That's hymn 345. But here stands a four of that hymn, and now we're talking about the final coming. So when next he comes in glory, and the world is wrapped in fear, he will shield us with his mercy and with words of love draw near. And there is great, great hope 
for those who are in Christ at that final coming. Because even amidst the power and the glory and the terror um, that we will see when he comes on that final day, we know that those of us who are baptized into Christ and look to his work on the cross for our redemption, that he comes to us in mercy. And even on that last day, he comes to us in love to take us home to our eternal rest with him. And that is a great comfort. So um, in this season of Advent, we rightly pray, you know, stir up your power, O Lord, and come, come. Um, Advent, it's just, it's, it's a really wonderful time. Really wonderful time for the Church. It sums up all that we are, all that we've been, and all that we will be so beautifully. I appreciate that that you've highlighted even the, the different themes within Advent. Walk us through that progression, maybe with examples, more examples of of hymns that you would choose for each of those uh, those weeks in Advent. Now, this year, Advent seems a little shorter because our fourth Sunday in Advent actually falls on uh, on Christmas Eve on the 24th, right? So right, yes. a little bit yeah. shorter this year. But walk us through that. How would you begin this church year, the, the very beginning of Advent? What are uh, What is a hymn or two that you might choose at the very beginning of Advent? Sure. Um Okay, so at the beginning of Advent, um, again, you, you kind of move chronologically in some way mm-hmm. through the season of Advent. So at the beginning of Advent, there's a little bit more maybe focus on that first coming of Christ um, as the saints of the Old Testament wait eagerly, you know, for the incarnation of the Messiah. Um, and so I think um, what some of our resources do in the church's liturgy is point us really well towards that. And a great hymn, I think, at that time of the year and that Sunday um, was would be Savior of the Nations Come. Mm. Um, there you have just some really marvelous unpacking of what it means for the world, um, on this side especially, of the Incarnation. Um, really here, you know, and as many folks know, this the version that we sing was translated by Martin Luther, at least the majority of it was. Um, but the hymn was originally written by Ambrose, St. Ambrose of Milan, who was a 4th century bishop and pastor of the church. Um, and there's just some beautiful imagery here. Um, Virgin son, make here your home. Where is he making his home? Here on earth with us as a man. God has become a man for us. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord shows such a birth. And then throughout the hymn, he unpacks what it means that the holy triune God, the second person of the Trinity, has become flesh and bone and lived with his own creatures. Maybe stanza six sums this up, um, what this means for us. For you are the Father's Son, who in flesh the victory won. You didn't win this victory by extending your almighty right hand and sweeping out all sin as an all-powerful, almighty God. That will happen one day, but that's not how the victory was won. It was won in flesh. By your mighty power, make whole all of our ills of flesh and soul. Um, So this first Sunday of Advent, we really, we kind of, focus in maybe on that first coming of Christ and what that means for us who, who sojourn here below in flesh and bone um, and, and what it means that God himself became man and how that changes everything about what it is to be a human, knowing that Christ has 
been made human and remains human for us. Walk us through to the, the, the second and the third Sundays in Advent. Sure. Advents two and three, um, now we begin to hear about John the Baptist. He, mm-hmm. he kind of comes onto the scene. Jesus begins um, to show up as a man in many of the readings. Um, well, actually, I, I should back up. Maybe that's not completely true. So, for example, this past weekend we heard from the first chapter of Mark, John is speaking about Jesus as the one who will come after him, but I, I, I have to retract my statement because Jesus doesn't actually show up on the scene just yet. Um, but there's this focus now on the work of John the Baptist. Um, and what is he preaching? What is he admonishing the people of Judea to do? Repent and be baptized. Be prepared for the coming Messiah. And here, I think, is where we have the opportunity to sing and preach about the coming of Christ in our own day in word and sacrament. How are we best prepared to receive the word of God? How are we best prepared to receive Holy Communion? Um, by a careful and honest look at our own sinfulness, um, of our own shortcomings, and repentance, that the Lord would continue to forgive our sins, that he would continue to keep us in his holy church, um, and that along the way, as we wait for that coming, just like John was preaching, um, that we are prepared by constant repentance, constant hearing the word, constantly receiving the gifts he has for us. so there are, again, some excellent hymns that we can make use of even at this point. Um, I mentioned a couple already, like On Jordan's Bank. Um, maybe another one that would be um, uh, nice to kind of explore at this point in the season would be hymn 333. It's actually right next to Savior of the Nations Come, but this is Once He Came in Blessing. The middle stanzas of this hymn do a nice job of illustrating how Christ continues to come among us today. So here's stanza two of once he came in blessing. Now he gently leads us with himself. He feeds us precious food from heaven, pledge of peace here given manna that will nourish souls that they may flourish. Um, So again, picking up on this theme of Christ coming to us in his church through his word and sacraments in peace, love, gentleness, forgiveness. I want to uh, move to that uh, that f- near the end of Advent uh, when um, well it's actually near the end of Advent in the in the hymnal as well and that is it's kind of our, one of our best kept secrets the O antiphons the the great O antiphons yes absolutely um, yeah and if if listeners have a hymnal at home you know if you open up to O Come O Come Emmanuel hymn three hundred and fifty seven. On the adjacent page, you'll see these texts, the great O antiphons listed. Um, These are just wonderful texts that have a very long history. Um, In um, the ancient church, there were services almost every day, really every day. And in their evening services or their evening vespers, the seven days before Christmas, so the last seven days of Advent, December 17th through 23, each day had a different antiphon or refrain um, that was assigned um, for, you know, a soloist or the congregation to sing before they sang the Magnificat in their Vespers. Um, 
these O antiphons are those seven um, antiphons or refrains that were sung before the Magnificat, one each day for the last seven days of Advent. Um, and the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is really a paraphrase of these seven antiphons. So it, it's not a coincidence that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel has seven stanzas to it. Each stanza, again, is a paraphrase of one of the antiphons. Um, so as you look, look at these antiphons, there, again, is a lot of Old Testament imagery all over the place. Um, Why are but, they called the O antiphons? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. Well, the answer is quite simple. The first word of every refrain is O. And then following that is another, another biblical title um, for God or the Messiah or Christ. Um, so they became known as the O antiphons because it was a nice way to kind of characterize these specific sets of of texts that the church would use at the end of the Advent season. O wisdom proceeding from the mouth of the Most High, pervading and permeating all creation, mightily ordering all things. Come and teach us the way of prudence. That's the, the great O antiphon for December 17. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. And you know, with each one of these, I mean, you could probably do a whole show on every single one of these Advent antiphons, um, they're just absolutely beautiful. Um, how would but, you? How would you? Would you chant these? Uh, the markings look like they're chanted for for like the same tones we would use for psalm tones. Is that how you would approach them? Um, you certainly could do that. Yeah, you certainly could. Um, there's you know a variety of ways that you could make use of these. Um, and I think probably the best way is, again, using them the way that they were intended, as antiphons or refrains mm-hmm. um, or bookends, you know, uh, to what you're doing. Um, it's always tricky, in a sense, to use these on the dates that they are assigned, because, you know, unlike the early church, there are probably not as many. Now, I know there are some, and this is an admirable practice, but there's probably not as many churches that are having daily you know, daily prayer offices or daily uh, communion services. So to actually use these on the day that they're assigned is probably something that could be of more use in home devotions and things like that um, as text to reflect on or to use there. Um, but they can certainly be chanted using a psalm tone. Um, and if you look, again, like I had mentioned before, the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a nice paraphrase of these texts, too. So when we're singing that hymn, we're really letting these texts speak in a, in a different way. Um, how, how might we use the, the, the great O antiphons at home in devotion? Singing, would we sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and then include the, the, o, the o antiphon for that day? How, might, how do you picture using that at home? That's a great question. Um, I, I think there's a couple ways that you could do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the first one, I think, would be what you suggested. Maybe singing, um, singing it to a psalm tone that you're familiar with, mm-hmm. and then singing the corresponding hymn stanza um, is just part of your devotions. And perhaps if you're doing it with your entire family, um, 
you know, maybe if you've got younger children at home who know, you know, they know come will come a manual, but they're not so familiar with these, you know, dads. Uh, you could you could sing those for your kids, and then we all sing the stanza, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times at home, one of the things that I like to do, even in my own personal devotions, is take part of the orders of the hymnal and let that kind of inform my own devotional life. So um, in our hymnal, the LSB, there's a great shorter kind of devotional resource, I believe. We have, we have just about a minute left. Okay. Yeah, they have, starting at page 295, just short devotions for morning and evening and mm-hmm. midday. I use those a lot, but in those sections, there are spots for a hymn or a psalm to be sung. Um, I'll often use a psalm, and you can use those O antiphons as the refrain before and after the psalmody. All of these things, they just change your perspective a little bit on what you're reading, and keep in mind, you know, what it means that Christ has come and is coming back. What a, a, a beautiful way to observe Advent and to dig into the text of the church year this time of year as well. Uh, great hymns, a great text, and uh, certainly uh, a valuable way to, uh, to, to spend time together as a family rather than uh, the many other things that this world has to offer. My guest today, the cantor Matt Mockamery, is associate cantor at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Thanks for the great tips and insights on Advent hymnody. My pleasure. Thank you, and a blessed Advent and a Merry Christmas. Thank you to you as well. Coming up in just a little bit, we revisit a conversation Sarah had with some of our missionaries, the the Reverend Michael and Irene Paul, serving as missionaries in Taiwan. We'll revisit that conversation, take us back to uh, their service in Taiwan. Please consider uh, praying for our missionaries this time of year as they're serving the Lord and proclaiming the good news of Jesus in so many places, so many ways around the world. You'll hear from them in the coming days as you hear more Advent and Christmas music. We have messages and greetings from missionaries and chaplains serving around the world. More Faith and Family in just a moment. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. Faith and Family is a production of KFUO Radio. Christ for you anytime, anywhere since 1924. Text the letters KFUO to 41444 to join the legacy with your tax-deductible gift.